So we're in the midst of this series today. Actually, we're culminating, and it's called Faith Activators. And throughout this entire year, we've been talking about faith. We've been talking about faith and the fact that God is building us and moving us. And we define faith this way, complete trust in someone or something. That is what the definition of the word is, complete trust in someone or something. And as we talk about an activator, something that activates faith, this is the way we defined it. It is an action that activates your faith. An action that activates our faith. That's what a faith activator is. And all of us here, we need to activate our faith. Many people live with a dead faith. And the best example that I've been able to come up with that we can tangibly understand is when we get our credit card or our debit card in the mail. When you get that little piece of plastic, there is a sticker with a phone number or a website that you need to call or go online in order to activate it. And you may have an American Express black card. Isn't that that's like supposedly like the best one, right? American Express black card. You know, no limit. All this different stuff. Only the wealthiest of the wealthiest may have that card. You may have it. And you could go to the Dollar Tree where everything's a dollar twenty-five now. Where you can go to the Dollar Tree. <laughs> And pull out your card, and if if you have not activated, even though you have the funds, it will not work. And in the same way, you and I, as Christians, as sons and daughters of God, when we have Jesus in our heart, we have promises that God has given us, and if we do not activate them, they're as good as nothing for you or me who hasn't activated them. And so we've been in Hebrews 11. And we're going to read through Hebrews 11 here a minute, kind of just take a mini recap of what we've been talking about. If you've missed any of, any of them, they're all on our YouTube channel. We've got a specific playlist called Faith Activators, and you can catch up there or on our podcast. But here it says, Hebrews 11, verse number one, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Number four says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Verse number eight, by faith, 
Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promise. We've talked about six different things in this series so far. The first one was about Abel. Abel gave, he offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. Giving activates our faith. We also talked and we saw here how walking with God, like Enoch, he walked with God, relationship with God. So closely he walked with God that God took him. He did not see death. Walking with God activates your faith. We see here how Noah he was warned by God, and then he did what? He built the ark. Building activates your faith. When God tells you to build something, to do something, and you begin to do it, it activates your faith. Then one of the main ones, the key ones, is in verse number 8, where Abraham obeyed. Obedience activates your faith. Those three previous, previous ones as well, they all showed an obedience onto what God had said, and that activated that faith. Then it talks about Abraham after he receives the word, what does he do? He lives in the land of promise. He looks towards the land of promise. You and I need to live in God's promises, looking towards God's promises. And then Sarah, Sarah was able to conceive when, when she considered him faithful. We talked about it briefly last week, 25 years from when they received the promise to when she conceived, and they had the son. Abraham was not the issue. When Sarah, 10 years after the promise, looked at him and said, hey, go marry my Egyptian servant, and maybe through her, he marries her, sleeps with her, and she gets pregnant. But Sarah couldn't. But 25 years in, when it says that she considered him faithful, it opened her womb to receive that power to conceive. We need to consider him faithful. And then today, if we're continue there, we're in chapter 11. Go now to verse number 20 and look, we're going to read verses 20, 21, and 22. It says this, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Three people it talks about here, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And all three of them did something in common. They spoke into the future, activating the faith of what they believed. And that's what I want to talk this morning about. I want us to talk about this, speaking his promises activates our faith. Speaking his promises activate our faith. And so I want to pose this question for us to think about. Does what we speak align to what he promised? Does what we speak align to what he promised? See, many a times we say we believe his promises, but our speech does not align. And let me tell you something, there is power in our confession. 
Proverbs tells us that the power of life and death are in your tongue. As a matter of fact, the verse right after says, and he who loves it will eat its fruit. It is so important that we analyze what we speak, how we speak it, when we speak it. And once you speak it, there ain't no bringing it back. You ever seen the experiment or not experiment, but there's a great visual lesson of that that people do with kids all the time. They'll, they'll give them a bottle of toothpaste and they'll say to squeeze it and it's so fun and so easy. Man, we can squeeze that bottle of toothpaste and it goes all out. You ever tried to put the toothpaste back in the bottle? Anybody? Oh, I over squeezed it. Let me try to stick it back in. <laughs> no, it don't work that way. And those are our words sometimes. We say dumb things like, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Yeah, words have power. It's better not to say anything than to say the wrong thing. And so does what we say align with what he promised? Some of us at times are speaking death over our marriage when God promised that man and wife would unite and become one flesh as he ordained it. Some of us speak death over our children and the purpose in them when God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of them. Some of us speak death over our health. Some of us speak death over our finances. We're speaking death over our workplace. You walk into work and you're like, I hate this place. I wish I did it. Ah, you're speaking death. When you were laid off, don't tell me anything. When the company shutters... Because let me tell you, there is an authority and there is a power that rests upon the sons and daughters of God. And when we know his promises, we can speak them. And everywhere we go, as the Bible says, will prosper. Everything you touch will be blessed. Everywhere your foot goes. Those are promises that are scriptural. I mean, I, I, let's give it to you this way. And if you ever go inside of a restaurant that you're going to get them to eat or a store, and you get there, and the place is like empty, like perfect, no line. You go right up to the register, you order, you get your food and whatever, and then you turn around, and the place is packed. Yep, every time that happens, like, yep, because we walked in. <laughs> we walked in, and the blessing followed. We walked into the thing, the blessing followed. Why is it that every business account that you do in your company is going well? Well, because God is with me, and if God is with me, who can be against me? Like, we, we walk in these promises. But let's go to Mark real quick. I want us to go to Mark chapter 11. Again, we're, we're, we're breaking these three, and we're going to read a lot of Bible today because I believe that you have to back up everything with the Word of God. If you don't back it up with the Word of God, then it's just a speech. Mark chapter 11, let me recount the story. This is when Jesus is getting ready to go and get arrested. And he walks into Jerusalem, and he's hungry. Anybody been hungry? And he sees a tree, and he goes up to the fig tree, and the fig tree got no fruit on it. It got no figs. So he looks at it, and he curses the tree. No one again will ever eat from you. And he keeps walking. Now, before I tell you what happens, I got a little thing I want us to make sure we understand here. Y'all know we're in resurrection season. We're talking about resurrections coming in a few weeks. Every, see all these pictures of Jesus all around the world. You saw the thing. Can I tell you something? Jesus was not a scrawny little white guy. First things first, he probably wasn't white, blonde-haired, and blue-eyed. Let's be honest with that one, number one. And number two, he wasn't with esqueleto, bro. He was not. Jesus was ripped. Oh, what backing do you have for that? I have historical backing. What was Jesus' occupation? 
Okay. If you didn't know, the Walt did not exist back then. Neither did Milwaukee. <laughs> Neither did the power tool. Like, right? There were no power tools. You know how they chopped the wood. You know how they moved the wood from one place to another. Y'all, we carry them lifetime tables, 10 foot long, and I can carry it because they're little plastic tables. You know the strength that somebody had to have to flip over a table in the temple? Like, you ever go to the park and you need to move one of those picnic tables and you need like seven grown men? You know what I'm talking about? You know the picnic tables at the park? Try to move that you and your guard. It ain't moving anywhere. 100% God, 100% man is what the Bible says. And he walks into the temple full of Pharisees and Sadducees, and he flips the tables, puts everybody in their place, and nobody says a word. That means the dude commanded respect. He was probably an imposing figure because nobody messed with him. All right, now let's get back to the preaching. This is on my side note. I'm waiting for the day. Ralphie, you're studying film, bro. And then, you know, I want you to make a movie of Jesus. And the guy's like ripped. Like you hired him like The Rock. <laughs> you, know? you know how strong he had to be to put up with the 40 lashes? Ripping his skin and tearing him apart? All right. That's the Jesus I serve. All right. So then... He curses the fig tree. It says that he cleanses the temple, drives out those who sold and bought in the temple, turned the tables of the money changers, the seats of those who sold pigeons. I mean, Jesus went to town on everybody. And then they leave there, and it says in verse number 20, as they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. He's like in awe. It's like it happened. And Jesus answered him, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Jesus is breaking it down here. What is the first thing he talks about? You need to have faith in God. Your trust cannot be misplaced. Your trust has to be in God. Your and my trust has to be in God and God alone. But then look at what Jesus is basically telling them. You need to know what God has promised and you got to believe it before you speak it. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Listen, before you can speak the promise of God, you need to know the promises of God. Say that one more time. Before you can speak the promises of God, you need to know the promises of God. Anybody ever get an F on a test because you didn't study, so you didn't know the material? Yeah. There's a heck of a whole lot of Christians that don't know the material. And let me tell you, there's daily exams and daily tests. You know when that person cuts you off in the middle of traffic? <laughs> when the person in front of you at the cash register decided to take 17 hours and every other line is zooming by, and then when you shift, that one gets slow. Oh, that's a test. <laughs> we fail tests every day, man. I fail tests. 
We need to know what the promises of God are. So before you can speak it, you got to know it. And here's the second thing. Before you can speak it, you must believe it. Because sometimes we may know that it's there, but we don't truly believe it's there. We don't truly believe that it applies. We don't truly believe that we can stand on it. Oh, it must be for someone else, but my God's not a respecter of persons. Jesus didn't die so that then I can maybe, if it's his will. No, 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 no. Everyone that went up to Jesus received their healing. Oh, pastor, then why does somebody that prays for it doesn't receive it? I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't understand. But I do know this. I believe that his promises are true. I believe that if he said it, I will stand on it. So let me show you. I want to give you scriptural. Okay, we're going to get into this. We talked about three guys, Jacob, Isaac, and Joseph, and put them in order. Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, right? I'm going to read you their three declarations, their three words that Hebrews talks about. So go with me to Genesis chapter number 27. Genesis chapter 27. We're going to read three verses there, starting in verse 27. Genesis 27, 27. It says, So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you and bless be everyone who blesses you. This is the blessing that Hebrews 11 is talking about that Isaac did in faith, right? You with me so far? Now look at Jacob's. Go over 20 chapters to chapter 48. Genesis chapter 48, starting in verse 15. This is now, again, this is now Jacob, end of his life. He says, and he blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys in and in them, let my name be carried on and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. If you go to verse number 20, it says, by you, Israel will pronounce blessings saying, God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. This is now Jacob declaring the blessing over his grandchildren and that they're going to bring. Now flip over to one, one more page to chapter number 50. Because again, we're talking about Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. In chapter number 50, this is what Joseph says in verse 24. He says to his brother, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made his son, the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. This is now Joseph telling his children of the children of his brothers, when God 
takes us out, don't leave my bones here, take them with you. Why do we have three generations spanning hundreds of years here declaring the same things? It's because they knew what God had promised Abraham. They believed what God had promised Abraham, and they would speak what God would promise Abraham. And let me add something to that. What we know, you got to know what he says. You got to believe what he says. You got to speak what he says. But I want to add another one. You need to teach it to the next generation. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute because I am sick and tired of hearing from parents. Oh, we want the kids to just find their way. And when they get older, they'll hear it and make a decision. Oh, they didn't want to go to church, so I just left them at home. They didn't want to. Bro, they can't even clean themselves. What are you doing? Think about, think about revival, right? The Jesus people movement, all these hippies getting saved, and the next generations aren't following Jesus. Why? Oh, let them find their way. Parents? Parent, they don't want to go, you're going anyways. I've never heard a parent say, oh, they didn't want to go to school today, so I let them stay in bed. No. Go. Here's the other one. You can't teach them what you don't know and what you don't believe. I was talking to somebody this week from our church, and Last Sunday after service, I, I saw their five-year-old, and their five-year-old, they, they, they actually had, they sat outside because when they got to church, he got his finger caught, and he was crying, and he was hurting, and so I just bent down, and I, I grabbed and said, come over here, and I said, let's pray, and I prayed over his finger, and I prayed for healing over him, right? Monday night, mom comes down with a fever. She's telling me the story on, on Wednesday or Thursday. And she says, I'm in the room, I'm in my floor sitting there, I don't feel well, I have a fever. And my son comes and says, what's wrong, mom? And she says, I have a fever, I don't feel well. So you know what he said? He says, you know what he did, Pastor, the same thing you did in the lobby? He said, well, let's pray. In Jesus' name, fever go, you're healed. You know what happened? She didn't get a fever the rest of the week. Out of the mouth of babes. But if you don't teach them, if we don't have them here, if we don't have them in rooms next door, and there's no junior Holy Spirit, God uses my 8-year-old. God uses my 12-year-old. God uses my 5-year-old. Nine, not eight. Just in case, I realized the wrong age came out. I got you. But parents, we need to teach it to our children. Teach them to pray boldly. Teach them to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to them. Teach them to reveal the things that they're reading in the Word of God. We need to teach it to them. Don't be afraid to reach the next generation. The reason Joseph is able to speak about his bones that, by the way, 400 years later is when it happened. And Exodus chapter 13 says that before Moses left with the people, he went and grabbed the box of bones. For 400 years, they were hearing, when our deliverance comes, take the bones. When our deliverance comes, take the bones. So when deliverance came, they grabbed the bones. What are we saying? What are we putting in front of them? What are they hearing? Church, wake up. Parent, teach them the word. 
Empower your children to lead groups. Let your children start revival in their schools. Let your children lead lunch group, small groups. Let your children empower them. Have them pray in the house. Teach them. I know that they're going to do so much more than whatever I'm able to accomplish for the Lord because they were growing up in that. Now, if your kids are already grown and you didn't do it, stop beating yourself over there like, oh, pastor, this is condemning. Nope. Start praying over them now. Start praying over them. You got a grown child that lives in your home? Hey, this is what we're doing. Oh, you've never made me before. This is what we're doing now. I'm going to get back to the preaching now. So these three spoke it. What did they speak? The promises that God had given Abraham. Watch. I'm going to prove it to you. Go to Genesis chapter 15 to start, sorry, chapter 12 to start this off. Genesis chapter 12. Verse number two. This is God speaking to Abraham. I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great. So that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Do you guys remember what Isaac prayed over Jacob? Watch. Throw it back up there, Matt. Genesis 27. One more time. Genesis 27, verses 27, 28, and 29. Watch. Go to verse 28. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Next verse. Let people serve you and the nations bow to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. He spoke a blessing that God had spoken to Abraham directly. Why? Because God would tell Isaac about it. Then Isaac spoke it to his children. Then his children spoke it to their children, and their children to their children. Guys, that's how it goes. It goes forward. It grows. But we got to know it. We got to believe it. Then we got to speak it. Know it, believe it, speak it. Watch. Go back to Hebrew. Go back to Genesis. Just read you verse number 12, uh, chapter 12, right? Chapter 13, verse number 13, or 14, sorry, 13, 14. The Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. In chapter number 15, he actually talks about accounting the stars. What did now Jacob pray over the sons of Joseph that they would become a multitude. Why? Because Abram received it from God. He knew it. He believed it. He spoke it. So Isaac heard it from dad, and he heard it from God, believed it, and spoke it. So now Jacob speaks it over Joseph. And then we get to the point of Joseph saying, when we leave, take my bones, right? Watch this. Go to chapter 17. Chapter 17, sorry, sorry, chapter 15, verse number 13, the Lord said to Abraham, 
Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. God had even told Abraham, it's going to happen. But then continue reading. Go to verse 16. Look what it says. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So what happens? Abraham knew that whatever God said was true, so he said it. So Joseph, which, by the way, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, knew that even though what they saw at the moment was slavery, God had promised deliverance. That even though what had been seeing in front of their eyes was not good, God said in the fourth generation, they're coming back to take the whole land. So Joseph was able to say, take my bones with you. Why? Because the patriarch heard it. Because the patriarch knew that what God said was true. And then he spoke it. And generation to generation. And you and I, as we read the word of God, how do we know the promises? Guys, we've got to read what the word of God says. This book is full of promises of God for you, your children, your marriage, your health, your finances, your grandchildren. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that his blessings to those that love him go to the thousandth generation. One of the most coolest things that I love doing in my Bible reading every single year is reading through the book of Kings and Chronicles. When I see that 868 years after David dies, God says to the king, I shall wipe you out, but because of my servant David. Because it reaches to the thousandth generation. The decisions that you and I make today when we know what God says when we believe what he says, when we then begin to speak what he says, is not just impacting you and me, but it's having a generational lasting impact that should the Lord tarry, the son of the son of the son of the son of your great, 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 great grandkid is going to be serving God, laying hands on the sick and they're recovering because today you made a decision that I'm going to learn what God said, believe what God said, and speak what God said. And I'm going to teach it. My kids are not going to know a day outside the presence of God. If we're going to do it, it's not just at church. If we're going to do it at home. If we're going to worship in the car. If we're going to read the word. If we're going to spend time with him. But let me tell you, it's not just by what we say. They're going to do what they see us do. You want to see a sold out generation? See sold out dads. That's why I have a heart for men. Ladies, you're amazing. Without you, we can't have life. My heart goes to men that you would stand because let me tell you something. Part of the issues that we have in society today is the lack of fathering. The lack of fathering. So I have a heart that men would rise up and lead. But let me tell you the first thing you need to lead is yourself unto Jesus. You can't lead a home if you don't allow yourself to be led by God. If you don't submit to God. If you don't spend time in prayer. If you don't spend time with the Lord. Man, I love, I come to 6 a.m. prayer service and most of the weeks it's more men here praying than women. I love it! Ladies, you're more than welcome. Please come pray too. But my prayer is men that stand. 
You young men that aren't married yet, get sold out for Jesus today. That when your wife comes into the picture, they're going to know if I get in between you and God, I guess the relationship will be over. Because God is first. Let's teach our daughters that they need to follow a man who will follow Jesus with their whole heart. But don't cry over spilled milk. Don't let the con- condemnation of the, ev- of the enemy keep you down. Don't let the enemy be like, oh, you failed. You already messed this up. You're at the point of no return. No, no, no. We serve a God that got blind people that were born blind and made them whole. We serve a God that had dead people raised from the dead. We serve a God that takes what is broken and restores it. It doesn't matter if you haven't spoken to your kid in 40 years. God can restore the relationship. What were you and I going to do to stand right before him today? It's why we harp hardcore, read the word of God every day. If you don't own a Bible, buy a Bible. You can't afford a Bible, let me know. We'll get one for you. A physical Bible that you can read and you can highlight and you can mark things in it. Get into the word because as you read what God said, then you're able to believe it. Then you're able to stand on it and declare it. Look back at all these guys. Abel knew what God had said to do. And he obeyed, and he did it, right? Enoch was walking with him. You had Noah who built the ark at the specific design that God had given him. And he knew without a shadow of a doubt that it was going to rain. And so he was able to build it and continue to tell people, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. John the Baptist, walking in his calling, in the anointing of Elijah the prophet, would go to people and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I baptize you in water, but one is coming that will baptize you in fire in the Holy Spirit, whose sandals I'm not worthy to tie down. Listen, we need to know what God said, we need to believe what he said, and then we got to speak what he said. That will activate your faith. So I go back to the same question. Worship team, come to the altar. I go back to the question we started with. Does what we say align to what he promised? Does what he say align to what he promised? Does what we say align to what we promise? When something's going to go out of our mouth, we need to examine it. Hold on a second. Does this align with what he said? Oh, I don't know. Then let me not say it. Yep, this aligns. Let me say it. Many times we speak so out of turn and not knowing. So my challenge for all of us is to grow in hunger and desire for the word of God, to be able to know what he says, to be able to then believe what he says, and then be able to stand on what he says. And there are promises throughout all of scripture that you can grab a hold of. Now, don't cherry pick what you like. Read it as a whole. Don't cherry pick. Cherry picking means just picking one thing. Because that's what Satan did. Satan, yeah. The temptation of Jesus. You ever read that one? Satan comes and tempts Jesus. If you truly are the son of God, get these stones and make them into bread. And Jesus combats the temptation with the word. Jesus looks at him and says, thou shalt not live. It is written, thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What's the very next temptation? It says that the tempter 
puts him on top of a very tall building and tells him, jump, for it is written, he will give his angels charge over you. Psalm 91. He cherry picks. He will give his angels charge over you. Jesus actually comes back and says, it is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. But let me tell you what I mean by cherry picking. I'm going to read you Psalm 91. Just stay with me right a second. This is the verse that Satan quotes as Jesus. He cherry picked the verse. And this is what it says. Verse 11 of Psalm 91. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hand they will bear you up, let you strike your foot against a stone. That is what Satan quoted at Jesus. But can you read the four verses before, the three verses before? Watch, look at verse number nine. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague shall come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you. See, it was a response to the person making the Lord their dwelling place. And man, I hear misquoted scriptures all the time that didn't read the whole thing in context. This is why we need to read the word and any message you hear needs to be grounded in the word of God. Because if it's not grounded in the word of God, if we just pick one little thing, like I've heard somebody do a whole preaching one time on Jesus wept. And if Jesus wept, then you can weep too. Yes, it's true. If you cry, you can cry. It's not a big deal. But Jesus wept at the incredulidad of the people that he saw. Thank you. I was going to try thinking in English things. It didn't come out. For those of you who don't know, I did my Bible degree in Spanish. <laughs> Their unbelief. Yet somebody grabbed the shortest verse in the Bible and made a whole entire pontification of a preaching on why you can just stay mourning. No, the Bible also says that he turns our mourning into laughing. He takes our sorrow. It also says that his mercies are made new every morning. As a matter of fact, it says the joy of the Lord is my strength. As a matter of fact, any time that you see mourning in the Bible was for, for a specific period of time and then you change. It's not to stay in the grief. Come on now. It's one little verse and they took it out of context. So don't cherry pick. Read the whole word of God. Genesis through Revelation. Read it. Oh, I don't understand that it's so difficult to read a thing. You ask the Holy Spirit. Yesterday I was sitting in, our, in, in bed with my wife. We're watching something. And all of a sudden my 12-year-old runs into the room and says, Dad, I got to show you something. I was like, what happened? She's like, look. Isaac lied to Amibelech and said that his wife was his sister. Abraham did the same thing to Amibelech. It's Amibelech both times. I had never even noticed that. And I was like, so mama, what's God trying to tell you? She's like, I don't know. He's like, go back to the office and pray. And when I went back into my office later, she's like, this is what I felt God show me about you. Guys, God will speak when you get in his word. So many people say, I haven't heard God speak. I don't know. No, no, no. Get in his word. He's speaking all the time. Thousands of pages of it. Get in the word. Listen to sermons. That's good. Get plugged in, rooted in a church. If you don't have a local church, we invite you to make ours yours. Get rooted. Get planted. 
put roots in the ground so that you can get into the basin and the water comes up and out. But get into the word every single day. Because when you know the word, you believe the word and you speak the word, things change and your faith becomes active. Stand to your feet. Father, this morning, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness and your fullness. And Father, we ask you this morning, speak to our hearts. Lord, even right now, as we reflect on words that we have spoken, on things that we have said that do not align to your promises, God, I ask you to speak to us and we dig out those words and repent right now in Jesus' name. As a matter of fact, that's what I want us to do. We're going to enter worship. If there's words that you have been speaking, let the Lord show you and, 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 and just break free of the pride. Repent. God, I repent for speaking this curse over my child, or I repent for speaking this over my health, or I repent for speaking this over my wife, I repent for speaking this over my finances, I repent, repent. Talk to God, receive his forgiveness and forgive yourself, and change your confession. As we worship, just individually, you talk to God right there, all around the room, and those watching online, just have a moment talking to God.